because it's a couple of weeks since we, we've um, had the last time I preached, and because we're going to be sort of following on from that, I thought we'd have a little bit of a recap of what, what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Um, Jesus gave us a process for dealing with sin and broken relationships in the church, and this is what he said. This is come from, coming from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. He said, If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or more witness sorry, two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago we were looking at Christian unity And Christ prayed for unity between Christians. And it's not just a skin-deep illusion of unity where we're just all trying to pretend to get on with one another and play happy families for a day or whatever. It is a unity totally and completely based on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It's a unity of truth, faith, hope and love. That's the sort of unity that we should be looking for within the church. A unity of truth that together we believe the apostolic witness written down in the Bible. A unity of faith that together we have faith and trust in the one Lord Jesus Christ. A unity of hope that together we yearn for the hope that we have to be fully realised with the return of Christ. And a unity of love. We are common children of a common father in heaven. Uh, We are bound together in a love that just delights in one another. Because we delight in God, we should also be delighting in his other children. Because, you know, as you begin to to grow more and more in God, who's living inside your heart? God, the Holy Spirit. And, And that goes for your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And so as God is transforming us to become more and more like him... If we're loving God, we should be loving those who are also becoming like him, his other children. Now, and of course, this is the kind of unity that Christ prays for and desires within the church. But the sad reality is we are far from it. And when division enters into the church, that division is always caused by sin. We humans don't actually get on with each other and we have to work at it. And part of this working on our relationships is reconciliation between one another. And so a couple of weeks ago we learned about the steps to reconciliation, which are confrontation, repentance and forgiveness. Now, if you haven't had a listen to that message, I'd I'd urge you to to get a hold of that one because it's important for us to understand this. So the message a couple of weeks ago, that was the message a couple of weeks ago. Um, and apparently I think it hit the spot for a few of us because several people came up to me afterwards and said to me, Michael, I really needed to hear that. 
I've got some relationships with other Christians that I, I realise that I need to, to get right. And I praise God for that. Um, I love it when God does his sanctifying work in people's hearts. Um, the greatest encouragement that, that a preacher can get is not coming up to him and saying, oh, that was a lovely sermon. The greatest encouragement we can get is when somebody says, yeah, God spoke to me in that and, and, and I know there's something that's got to change in my life or I know that you know, I'm being drawn closer to God or, or, hey, my eyes have been opened that I'm really loved by God for the first time. Um, that's what gives us encouragement, to know that God is at work in people's hearts. So that was the message a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I'm wondering, for those who heard it, how you're going with it two weeks later on. I suspect that if anyone's actually tried to put it into action over the last couple of weeks, reconciling with other Christians sometimes isn't that easy. Um, and it might be a little bit harder than what you'd hoped. See, forgiving somebody once is just the beginning. Because we humans have a nasty habit of reoffending. I know that I receive forgiveness for things that I've done and it's only a matter of time until I'm back again asking for forgiveness, either for the same thing or, or something similar. And so the question arises, how many times do we forgive someone? When is enough enough? And that's what today's reading is all about. So... Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. I don't have it on me, but I have a wallet. And in my wallet, um, I carry a needle, and I'm pretty sure it's been the source of annoyance to, to several ministers that I've had. Uh, when I used to live in Gundawindi, of course, we, we had a sheep place and did a fair bit of sheep work, and of course the burrs would get into the sheep, and then they'd get into my hands, and um, then they'd start to fester. And I could think of no better time than Sunday morning to dig them out. The minister had started out strong in his sermon and the little old ladies had pull out their knitting needles and start knitting and, and I'd be sitting there and I'd pull out my wallet and get my needle out and start digging out burrs. I mean, I'd be listening, but, but I'd just do two things at once. It's not only women that can do that. Um, when you get a burr, it can be a bit of a source of annoyance um, and you can try and put up with it. But when it starts to fester and that pus starts happening, well, you, you know you've got an infection and you've just got to get it out. Um, and, and that's the same with forgiveness. Issues arise and if we leave them under the surface, they begin to fester. But you've got to get them out into the open. You have to dig them out and you have to deal with it. Forgiveness is serious business whether you're receiving from forgiveness from God or from others or whether you're giving forgiveness to somebody else, forgiveness is serious business. It is a serious responsibility for the believer not only to be forgiven but also to give forgiveness when people earnestly ask for that forgiveness. Now Peter... The disciple Peter, he thought he was doing all right. And he asked Jesus, well, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven? Now, that was, that was a pretty generous offer. You know, you know, if I forgive the same person seven times for the same thing, that's pretty generous and it was certainly much more than what the teachers of his day were suggesting. But no, Jesus said, not seven times, 
but 77 times or 70 times 7. The grammar's a bit unclear, but it's not the exact number that's important. It's the principle. And the principle is you will forgive somebody over and over and over again. Why? Because that's what your Heavenly Father does for you. And it's just as well he does. I know I commit the same sins over and over and over again and and I have to keep asking for forgiveness and, and God forgives us. God forgives me over and over and over again. He forgives me. And when somebody sins against me and asks me for my forgiveness, that means I get no option. God has been generous with his forgiveness to me. Therefore, I have to be generous generous in giving forgiveness to others. I have to forgive them over and over and over again. Now, the parable of the unforgiving servant, I believe, would have to be one of the most blunt and confronting stories that Jesus ever told. The servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents might not mean a lot to us, but let me put it like this. A talent was the largest unit of their currency. And the biggest number that they had in their language was 10,000. So that would be like us saying today, I owed a thousand million billion a gobble a billion dollars. Right? It's just a vast of money that, that is beyond comprehension. The whole tribute of Judea, Samaria and Indumia combined came to 600 talents. Now, 600 talents was a king's ransom. That's what those countries all had to use to pay Rome, just simply so Rome wouldn't come in and and rip them to shreds, right? But this servant owed the king 10,000 talents. That was more money than what was in circulation in the whole country at that one time. It was a debt that could never be repaid. In fact, it equated to 250,000 years' wages for an average man. Now, if you you owed the bank 250,000 years' wages, what chance would you have of paying it back? Zero. Absolutely impossible. And how much is your forgiveness worth? It's priceless. There is nothing that can make you pure before your Heavenly Father except for the blood of His Son and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is priceless. That's how much God loves us. That's the price that He paid for us. And it is an impossible debt. I could never pay it back. But in in the story there was a second debt. And this was a debt that um, was owed to the servant by another of the servants. And it was a hundred denarii. Now that's actually about one millionth of what he owed the king. So it was about three months wages that he was owed. Now that's not insignificant. I know if somebody owed me three months wages I'd be pretty keen to get it back. But compared to the 250,000 years wages that he'd just been forgiven... Nearly nothing. When somebody has wronged you or if you have wronged somebody else, that is no little matter. 
And it might be something that you carry and remember and inflicts you for years. Let's not make light of it. Hurts that we have and the subsequent lack of forgiveness can ruin lifetime relationships. Unforgiveness can ruin friendships. Unforgiveness can ruin work relationships. It can ruin family relationships. It can certainly ruin a marriage. It is a big thing to forgive. It is costly to forgive. But it's also godly to forgive. Now, I find this story very confronting. In fact, I'm finding this all the way through the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus reveals some very confronting truths. And there are severe consequences for those of us who do not forgive and don't keep on forgiving. Jesus said, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, he's not talking about a superficial kind of forgiveness. He's not talking about putting a band-aid over that burr instead of digging it out. He's talking about forgiveness from your heart. That's real forgiveness. That's where it actually starts to mean forgiveness. It's where the rubber hits the road. He said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So how is it that he'll treat us if we don't forgive? Well, I'm just going to tell a story again but merge it with a practical example right from the start. The king called the servant to account. God convicts me of my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need forgiveness and I beg for his forgiveness. There is no way that I can repay the debt that I owe for all of the wrong things that I've done. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. And I deserve the death penalty. I forfeit my life. And so I depend entirely on the grace and the mercy of God. There is no other way to be saved other than by the grace and the mercy of God. Don't think for a moment that you can do anything to save yourself. You can't. You're just as hopeless as I am. It is only through Christ that we can be forgiven. And so the king had mercy on the servant. He tore up the debt. And God has mercy on me. God has mercy on you. He says, your sins are forgiven. I remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, I've removed your sin. I've taken your sin away. I've dealt with it. I've nailed it to the cross of Christ. And so we stand before the Father made righteous through the blood of Christ. The cost is beyond what I could bear. But Jesus paid that cost on the cross and he forgave me of my sins when I confessed them to him. And so the servant was free. He had no more debt to carry. I am free. You are free. Free from sin. Free from death. Free from punishment. Free to commune with God. A ticket to glory. An assurance of eternal life. That's the sort of freedom we speak of. But in the story, the servant doesn't have a heart like the king's heart. The king forgave the servant, but the servant would not forgive. 
And so the story is about a forgiven sinner, someone like me, someone like you, but someone who does not have a forgiving heart like their Heavenly Father's. Our Heavenly Father is merciful. We too must show mercy. Tragically, I've heard it said more times than what I care to remember, even coming from the lips of Christians, those foul and damning words, I could never forgive so-and-so for what they've done. Have you ever heard someone say that? Maybe you've said it yourself. Maybe you've thought that in your, in your head and your heart. When Jesus hears us say these words, when the Lord your God who searches hearts knows that that sort of unforgiveness is in our hearts, you know what he says? <coughs> you wicked servant. Shouldn't, I have had mercy, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Now that really brings it home. Brings it home to me. How about you? God expects us to forgive others in the same way that he forgives us. Now understand this very important principle and this is the key to it. Forgiveness requires repentance. Do you understand this? Forgiveness requires repentance. So, if I punch Jacques in the nose and then say, Jacques, forgive me for that. The first thing Jacques's going to want to know is, first of all, well, why did you do that? And secondly, uh, are you going to do it again? I need to be ready. <laughs> because if I intended to do it again, if I said, yes, Jacques, um, I'm just a bit angry at the moment. Um, yes, I'm probably going to punch you in the nose again. I don't think he's going to forgive me. At least he shouldn't. You see, forgiveness requires repentance. And repentance is being sorry enough to stop. To repent means I have to actually agree with God that what I was doing is wrong. And it is to make a conscious effort and decision that I'm going to do everything within my power and the power of God to change my way of life so that I'm going to stop doing this from now on. So understand this principle. Forgiveness requires repentance. Now repentance, of course, doesn't mean that I'll never sin again. Repentance doesn't mean that you will never sin again, but it means that you're going to work at it. You're going to work at it with all your strength. You're going to work at it with God to be changed for the better. That's what repentance is about. Salvation without repentance is an empty hope. It's an illusion. It's a lie. Why are there so many people who claim to be Christians but who are not living transformed lives? Why are they living lives of greed, selfishness, dishonesty, violence, lust, pride, despising authority? Why? I'll tell you why. It's because they're living on the empty promise of salvation without repentance and there is no such thing. John the Baptist preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In the early church, Peter preached 
repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul said the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. We're told in God's word that he is delaying the day of judgment because he is giving everybody time to come to repentance. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's not kindness to forgive somebody without their, their repenting. The two go hand in hand. All the way through, not just the New Testament, but the whole Bible, you will find this principle in practice. Forgiveness goes hand in hand with repentance. So why am I telling you this now? Unless we repent of our unforgiveness towards others, we cannot be forgiven for our unforgiveness towards others. Do you understand this principle? To be forgiven of a sin, we need to repent of it. We need to agree that that is wrong and I'm going to make a conscious effort to do what's right to honour God. And if I have been harbouring unforgiveness towards somebody and they've, they've been looking for my forgiveness but I have not given it to them, I'm sinning against God by not forgiving. So I need to repent of that unforgiveness. You see, the king cancelled all the debt, all of the debt of that, of that wicked servant, of that servant. God sets the prisoner free. When God forgives, that's the end of it. God forgives us and we are set free to live a life of freedom. And that life of freedom has to be lived day by day. And when we begin holding grudges and harbouring resentment, when your brother brother or sister in all sincerity asks you for forgiveness and you refuse, we begin to bind ourselves up again. Somebody once said unforgiveness is like drinking poison in the hope that the other person is going to die. It hurts you just as much as the other. So what are the consequences of refusing to forgive? Well, the image presented in this parable is one that should be of very great concern to us. It's pretty clear to me that he's talking about eternal condemnation. The wicked servant was handed over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back in full all that he owed. Now, he's never going to be able to do that. But what did he owe? He owed God gratitude and he owed his brother forgiveness. The other debt had been cancelled. And here's the crunch. I can live a life of grace. I can know the forgiveness of God in all areas of my life. But if I refuse to forgive my brother, God will not forgive me for my unforgiveness. I can't. Sorry, he can't until I repent. Forgiveness is serious business. 
If there is someone who you feel that you cannot forgive, I urge you to get in touch with me and I'll come and visit you and we'll talk about it. Because the grace of God is sufficient for you. The Holy Spirit can transform every area of your life, even that person who you've said that you can never forgive. The grace of God is sufficient to transform you in even that area. See, the Holy Spirit needs to transform every area of our life so that the the grace of God doesn't just come to us and then stop. We're supposed to be agents of grace. The grace of God comes to us and then we show that grace out into the world. God's grace comes through us to others. Let's pray. And we're going to, after I pray, we'll pray together the Lord's Prayer. Have you noticed in there there's a line that says, forgive us our sins as you have forgiven us? Sorry. Save us from our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. At the end when Jesus was teaching the Lord's Prayer, he actually said, for if you do not forgive your brother of his sins, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you of yours. He said that when he taught the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the forgiveness that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Christ shed on the cross for us. Lord, it is just so valuable. You've taken us from a hopeless situation and you've given us hope. You've taken us from death and given us life. You've taken us from from darkness and placed us into your wondrous, wondrous light. And all of that your free gift of salvation through faith in Christ. Lord, thank you. Lord, we just want to confess today that in so many ways we have been the wicked servant who has not forgiven others. Lord, give us hearts of repentance. Lord, help us to do for others what you have done for us. To forgive. Lord, I pray that during this next week that you will remind us, that you would bring to mind those who have asked us for forgiveness and we have refused. And Lord, give us hearts willing to forgive. Lord, bring to mind those who we harbour bitterness and enmity against and help us to address those issues. Lord, may your grace and mercy not stop at us. May we be agents of your grace. Lord, when your light shines upon us, may we not cast a shadow, but may your light be radiated from us as well. 
lighting up a dark world that sorely needs forgiveness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.